Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana, with information about health care reform tax credits, health insurance options, a checklist, and answers to frequently asked questions at bcbsla.com reform. Additional support provided by Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. It seems each generation thinks the next generation is hopeless. The older generation despair that any of these kids, they'll never amount to anything. Then we turn around 10 years later, and one of them's our doctor, one of them's the CEO of the company we work for, and a third is the President of the United States. The process by which this happens is the province of my guest on Out to Lunch today. Cam Marston is an authority on generational insights. Cam has consulted some of the country's most prominent companies on generational insights, including American Express, Fidelity, Merrill Lynch, Kellogg, Coca-Cola, Macy's, Warner Brothers, ESPN, and Remax, as well as the IRS and the U.S. Army. Cam, it's an honor and a pleasure to welcome you to New Orleans and welcome you to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. My other guest today has the task of putting generational and a host of other insights into practice every day. Lola Lass is president of Adida Corp Staffing. Now, this is a recruitment and staffing agency she founded in 1988. Lola also has a history of involvement in wider employment issues, including six years on an advisory council to the Louisiana Department of Labor. And she's the Greater New Orleans Executives Association 2013 Executive of the Year. Lola, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Yes, it is. Good to have both of you here. We've got a ton of questions. This is going to work out great. Cam, we give generations titles. Boomers, Generation X, and the largest generation coming into the workforce are actually millennials born between 1980 and uh, 2000. You attribute unique characteristics to each generation. So let's start at the end. The kids today, what are the defining characteristics of this generation? Uh, they are much younger than their age would suggest. Something that's uh, a phenomenon of our society today is that people transition into adulthood later. So I tell the executives that I work with, when you have someone in their 20s and early 30s, to subtract five years from that individual's birth certificate age and you're going to get the characteristics of them today. In other words, they're in an earlier chapter than that executive would have been at the same age. Well, what is that arrested development? What's causing that? Our society facilitates it. All affluent societies allow people to stay younger longer because there's not a need to rush in responsibi into responsibility. There's not a need to uh, own your future as quickly or as early as it has been historically. So the parents facilitate it. Our society facilitates it. One of the new health care rules is that children can remain on their parents' health care, I think, through now age 26, something like that. And, and there's obviously some positives and some negatives to this. What are they? Uh the positives is the kids enter uh, the workplace or society, let's say, more well-adjusted or, or more uh, focused on what it is that they want. The negative is that the employers are struggling while these, these kids, I don't say that in a detrimental way, but these kids 
uh, the employers are struggling because they're wishy-washy. They're trying to figure out what speaks to them. They're trying to figure out what they want or in a different conversation, what makes them happy. So the employers have an expectation that a 21 or a 25 or a 30-year-old will work this way, whichever way this is, and it's not happening. So the employers are struggling while this child is trying to figure out what it is that they want to do. Lola, Cam is working on the big picture, whole generations. You're working with one person, one company, one job at a time. I imagine being a recruiter, uh, the liaison between companies and employees is somewhat between being a corporate psychologist and running Match.com. That's what I would. That's, that's what I would. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So many of us, when we start off on a job, we we think it's going to be great, and then after a while, we some some of us actually get to hate that position. Um, how do you? What are the clues as to how you see the future? How do you find the right job uh, when a company comes to you looking for an employee or? or you have a great employee looking for a job, what are the most fundamental qualities you're looking for to make it a good fit? They often don't match. What the employer wants and what they're willing to pay and what the candidate wants and what they're wanting to make don't match. And part of this is uh, due to what Cam's talking about, the expectation. It's, it's, it's more of an expectations issue. The client has certain expectations. If I hire them at 21, this is what they're going to come to the table with. These are the characteristics and the talents. This person over here says, well, now that I'm 21 and I went to college for four years, these are my expectations, and it is a terrible disconnect. And is there, a <laughs> I think of the, the Match.com and the eHarmony kind of thing, is there a, a percentage of people that come in as a temp that get hired full-time? Do you yes, look at that? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, most of the success in our attempt to hire uh, division takes place by accident. The customer says, I need somebody and I'm trying to, you know, I need to fill a void while I'm searching on my own maybe and I'm going to look around or we're going to redesign what the job may be. You know, we have a market here in New Orleans that's small to mid-sized companies. So things change and evolve a lot. We don't have a lot of the corporate st structure where I need 10 of these, I need 10 of those kinds of people, I need 10 kind of people over here. So while they're reassessing that, they may have us send a temp in. Well, we try to talk the group of uh, young workers that Cam has been talking about into being more open-minded about what kind of opportunities they might entertain. So for instance, if I got out of school and I have this degree and I want this kind of a job and I deserve X amount of dollars per hour, they put their fist down, we say that's fine as long as you're patient. I'm sure that job will eventually come around. But if you happen to be open-minded and are willing to go out and work temporary while you're looking for something full-time, then we may be able to send you into some places that you can go in and check out. What happens is they go in there and they're taking a job that's beneath them in their minds. They're making a wage that's beneath them in their minds, but they're also having an opportunity to be um, showing themselves off. They showcase their skills. The client says, wow, you know, you're kind of overqualified for this. And all of a sudden, voila, a match is made. And even they'll bring them on in a position that is maybe a little more than they what they brought them in as a temp. And it's forcing the employers to be a little more open-minded on salary range and more responsibility. Now, Cam, uh, how do you come by the information that, that you have? Is this statistical research? Do you do surveys? There originally, 15, 16 years ago when I began this, there was very little. Now it's all over the place. You can't swing a stick without knocking over some sort of generational report. And I bet the USA Today has something in it on there. Some cute giraffe. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, exactly. That's yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a subject matter that the information is constantly changing. Due to the fact that the populations are aging and value systems change as you age, uh, the information and the content continues to evolve, which to me makes it very interesting. Because here was, let's say, Generation X, born between 1965 to 1979. Ten years ago, they looked like this. 
now they're parents and they've changed in this way. And the millennials, also known as Gen Y, they're becoming parents for the first time. So how is that changing? And so the, con the information is constantly moving. It's constantly evolving. And that's like, whets my appetite for more. This is how they used to be, but here's how they are now. Well, let me throw this out to both of you. Uh, you know, we, the millennials really have been beaten up in the press. They, re they really have. You know, you'd think that they were all living in their parents' basement and saving up for tattoos and things like that. that um, how do you feel? Are you more optimistic than that? Yes, I am. I, I find that w with every generation, you have uh, groups of talent that are young, or they start out young and energetic and wide-eyed and, and ambitious, and then the real world happens, and they get married or they have children or whatever, and things start to change from their perspective. So even though they may say, we may say, I mean, I have two grown sons now, that, you know, they're, they're, they're on the dole. They're still on the dole. Well, I, you know, that, that, that's part of the thing. Uh, they will, too, move off, but they're very bright. You talk about technology and how they communicate with their fingertips. That's viewed as a negative by baby boomer employers. You know, you know wait a second, we want to communicate here. At the same time, anytime you can't use your cell phone or find some icon app on your thing, who do you call? Bring me these guys. I mean, they, they, they're, so they're very open-minded to new ideas. They don't mind change versus our baby boomer people and the employees that we place that are baby boomers. I mean, sometimes they're so resistant to change. So I think that they bring great things to the table that will add to where they are, but I also believe that as they, fa they move on to the next phase of their life, they will just, they will, they will mellow, they will adjust, and they will become very productive. Well, and I want to I uh, add on to what she said. As, as a part of the delayed transition into adulthood, this process of wisdom or maturity is simply happening later. And it's not that they've chosen it, it's what our society has facilitated for them. It's enabled them. So uh, they do get beaten up a lot. However, one of the key things to realize is this behavior that, that has been stereotyped the millennials, it was not created in a vacuum. It was, it was introduced to them by their parents and by people like you and me. And I, I, I have a great parody, I have a great you know, a little anecdote about my daughter's collection of 11th place ribbons. She didn't ask for those <laughs> ribbons. We gave them to her. People like you and me gave them to her. So we can look down on this and say, oh, that's awful that she has these 11th place ribbons. But we, we made it happen. So we there's sent no, them to self-esteem camp. That, that's it, that's right. Uh, teach them to look in the mirror and say, I'm great. I'm fine. <laughs> but we, we are responsible for it. Furthermore, you got 85 million of them in this nation. When you look at something that's that large and that will impact our society so dramatically as a population of 85 million people will, you can say, oh, it's going to be awful, or oh, we better make this great. And the attitude, I think, is, hey, let's make this great. There's a lot of slander in the, that goes on around the millennials, but the fact is they're going to change things, and we can either get on board or get left behind. And, you know, I, I've taught at Tulane for 27 years, and uh, I think it's the best group of students I've ever had. I mean, they're, they're really sharp. They're oh, they have a really good teacher. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. They, but, you know, Tulane, we have mandatory community service. The kids want to give back to the community. They see they're working on things like social entrepreneurship. I, I don't see why they're, why they're being knocked around so much in the, uh, in the press. Well, they are knocked around a little bit, but at the end of the day, you have to say, why are they being knocked around? Well, they're being knocked around for the things that Cam's addressing, and that right. is that I tell, I tell employers, I tell other parents, we created this monster. <laughs> we now have to figure out how to live with it. So, I mean, we have to do some adjusting because, again, if you don't put an expectation on your child to be out of school at a certain age and having a job and paying their all their own bills, 
they're not going to do it. You didn't have that expectation, so right. they're not going to just jump out there and do it. The same thing takes place in the workplace. You know, you bring people in on entry-level jobs, that's great, but the one thing that employers are having to address is that whereas they may be saying, living, you know, they may be coddled coming up, they're still very bright and talented so that if you bring them in, one of the most significant things we're dealing with in the workplace generational-wise is that baby boomers and employers are used to, they want to see people who stay in a job for five to ten years. That means you're stable. That means you're not going to leave me. It's going to take me a while to train you, teach you our culture, and go on. Eighteen months. This generation says, okay, give me a challenge. Okay, I did it. Now where's my next challenge? Well, there are a lot of positions in the workforce that are crunch jobs. I mean, you just got to keep crunching it out to keep the, you know, machine going. And that's something that we're having to work with our clients to help them understand that's not necessarily a job hopper. You just need to learn how to create new challenges for this person to keep them. Now, this is the part um, you guys are going to like. It's the checklist part of the show where I ask you a couple of questions uh, that you probably wouldn't find on a loan application. So I'm going to start with Lola and just ask you, what, what is the absolute biggest waste of time in your life that you wish you could get rid of? My email. Your email. So it's supposed to be helping you. Yep. Now, these millennials love it. They don't even skip I right through it. that. I right? absolutely love it. The problem is I'm very socially oriented, and so I engage a lot with other people and other things, and therefore I end up with so much email. By that time I finish just reviewing it to make sure I don't miss anything important, I've lost time. Yeah. And yeah, I know there's filtering systems. I do understand the technology side right. of that, but you just never know. Have you tried I smiley face? Because that's always something yes, you can yes, just Yes, yes, I star. And, you know. <laughs> now, Cam, let me just ask you, what's your biggest extravagance? My biggest extravagance on the road? Anywhere, really, because you work hard. I, uh, I take myself to Argentina with a group of friends every June and go bird hunting. No way. Yeah. It's one of the best answers we've ever had here. It's an extravagance. People it's like sorry. an extra Diet Coke. You know, this is much <laughs> better. This is An annual uh, wing shooting trip down to Argentina, and it's, a, uh, it's an extravagance by... By, uh, on my budget, it's an extravagance, and it's absolutely awesome. The food, the scenery, the shooting, the people you're with, the guides, it's the, it's, it's the cancer. How ass. big a group? <laughs> Six to eight of us. Wow. Yeah. But that's my, if I hit my goals the year before, I always make sure there's money to go to Argentina. That's Six the, days. Do you have like one of those ceramic pigs on your desk where it says Argentina on the pig, and then you... Put little bits of money in it? No, they're, they're pigeons. Pigeons, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not shooting pigeons, Ari Camp, because I don't think that's allowed. In Argentina, it's absolutely fine. There are <laughs> <laughs> Very few rules. Let me, um, Lowell, let me ask you a question. Craigslist, uh, how has that changed the whole job search part? I think it's made it easier for employers to reach out to a very broad group of people. I think it's made it easier for candidates to have one central place to look instead of having all these other paid job boards where different companies choose different ones. Um, one thing that I think is a negative is that it reinforces technology to this younger generation. So they think, well, I can just go on Craigslist. I mean, if every everybody posts their jobs there. Well, if it's not on Craigslist, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and if I, submit, if I respond via Craigslist, they're going to get my resume, they're going to see how talented I am, and they're going to call me. So I'm going to send my resume, and I'm done. Problem is, you're just in a, instead of an old-fashioned stack of paper of resumes, you're in an electronic stack of papers, <laughs> and it's still human contact, human communication that wins the job. 
it's funny you're saying this because we talk about the same thing. It's two thirds of our jobs are really from networking and uh, that involves picking up the phone the and knocking on some doors. And that is a, down, that, that is a negative that, that our generation has not fostered for this next generation and that we've let them use their technology because all of us decided, oh look, both parents are going to go to work now here, just sit in front of the TV and watch a, a you know, VHS tape and then a DVD and then here's your Game Boy, oh, and here's your, you know, now we're, we have iPads and we have everything else. So we, we get them entertained so that we can do our jobs and be busy and do our own thing and then when it comes time for them to be interactive and good communicators, they're ill-prepared and again, we created that monster and we really need to address it. And well, I've got to ask you a question because this probably comes up in your line of work. How careful do kids have to be about what they put on Facebook and other social media? I mean, uh, it's you do critical. something when you're 18. And yes, that's correct. Well, the government, the EEOC would like to, you know, legislate whether or not employers can or cannot ask their candidates for your password. To, there, were, there were people saying, if you want to apply for my job, give me your Facebook password. I'm going to check your page. It's well, been a ruling. They cannot ask that now. You cannot, you cannot do that, it's discriminatory, et cetera. However, you can still access a variety of public information that's from somebody's Facebook account. You don't get all of their private stuff, but you can. And it does make a difference. If we go on there, I've had 35-year-old, 30-year-old people who have been ruled out of a job consideration because when they were 17, they wrote an article for this one mag this women's magazine or Miss Magazine about sleeping with their boyfriend. Well, this person Whoa. is double their age now, and yeah. this is going to cost them this job. I wouldn't want to be called accountable for my Ex early years. I, not I. Really, really, anything within the last year or so, I don't want to be, be accountable for. They, uh, and, you know, uh, Cam, let me ask you, you know, a generation is millions of people. A, a skeptic might say that there's so many people of, of you know, it's kind of like your astrological sign or something like that. Does everybody in each generation really share a majority of the attributes that you can actually see? Or do you have to be an expert like yourself to, uh, um, to really be able to point all that out? And by the way, I'm a Taurus, Cam. What are you? <laughs> That's great. I'm a Prius. Prius. Uh, <laughs> so much are efficient. Yeah. Um, there are characteristics within a generation that are loosely definitive of that group. Not everyone's going to fit, but there are enough... There's enough accuracy within it that people can see it. And that's one of the things I bring out in, in each of my conversations is to say, I'm going to build a profile and I'm going to show you 10 bullets that are characteristics of the baby boomers. You might fit two or three of these. You may know someone that fits four of these, and there'll be four different ones than two or three. However, it's a loose way of descri describing a group of people. A generation is defined as a group of people that comes of age between their mid-teens and mid-twenties and shares many of the same experiences, typically between 17 to 22 years. You have anomalies. Generation X is a 15-year generation. You'll have anomalies within. But usually within those coming-of-age years, there are events in their life that binds them in some way or another so that the group has things that they can relate to with one another. Um, uh, and then on the edges of the generations, you have what are called tweeners, and they'll carry characteristics of both, the boomer X or tweener. So there are many different permutations of this thing. But you can say that a boomer is going to have, for example, one of the great stereotypes that most people seem to recognize, the baby boomers generally have a hard work ethic. They work hard. They work long. They work strong. They're very proud of how many hours they spend working. That's a characteristic most people recognize of the baby boom generation that you don't see as readily as in other generations. Wow. That, now, when you mentioned the years could be 20 years, 17, 15, you mentioned they're sort of, are they anchored by events? 
usually a rise and fall in the birth rates will demarcate the beginning and end of a generation. So the baby boom generation begins in 1946, the spike of the, the GIs coming home and they, you know, the, the soldiers got off the transport vessels and they met the women on the docks and, and nine months that woman later, in Times Square and, yeah, yeah. nine months later, the hospitals were full. Uh, and then it begins to tail off around the year 1965. The birth rates begin to really dramatically tail off around the year 1965, which begins Generation X. And then it spikes. It doesn't spike, but it climbs again around the year 1980, the Reagan Revolution. There's a little more optimism. And uh, with an optimistic society comes higher birth rates. So these generations are loosely, can loosely be corresponding to rises and falls in the birth rate. What's the name of the next generation, by the way? I call them gen, uh, the iGen. Uh, you know, you think iPod, iPad, iPhone, oh, iGen. They're born since the year 2000. Um, they're, uh, and they're all my kids are members of the iGen, and I don't have a whole lot of data on them other than they're needy and they leave stuff out. <laughs> I think... <laughs> You might be, this observation is very close. I'm on to something here. Yeah, I think you really are. The four children I have worked with uh, show me that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Cam Marston, Lola Lass, we've come to the end of lunch. Uh, Each week on Out to Lunch, I'm fortunate to meet great people and learn about their businesses. But some shows leave us with a little bit more than that. They leave us with something to think about. And today's show certainly fits that category. It's been a real pleasure spending time with you. Uh, Cam, Lola, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Peter. I'm going to be better at parties now. This is going to be great. My, <laughs> my, my guests on Out to Lunch today have been Cam Marsden, business consultant and authority on generational insights, and Lowell Lass, president of Adida Corporate Staffing. Now, to find out more about Cam's insights or Lola's world of work, uh, follow the links on our websites, wwno.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer today is Chris Keogh. The ticklish Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Era Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.